Well, good morning. Again, how was your guys' week? Was it good? You enjoying the smoke? Busy. I, busy is, seems to define life right now for a lot of people. Busy, busy, busy. Um, a couple of announcements. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, uh, in the back we have some bags we would like to give to you, and there's a, a tumbler and uh, some information. Uh, so if you're a first-time guest, feel free to stop back there and pick up one of those. Uh, we would love for you to have one of those. And then uh, tithes and offering. Uh, if you have uh, any tithes, any offerings that you'd like to give in the back, we have the kiosk. Uh, but we also uh, ha- offer online giving through LifeChurchUtah.com. And um, so yesterday, quick recap, we handed out our backpacks. It was uh, a great event. Um, we were able to give away all 144 backpacks. Um, it was, yeah, we can clap for that. It was, it was kind of fun. We'll have a, hopefully a picture slide uh, to show everyone next week, a video. Um, but we had them set up. We had eight different colors. The parents would drive up, and the kids got to choose their color. And we gave them their backpack, and it was fun to see the excitement on the, the kids' faces as they got a brand-new backpack with, um, with some supplies inside of it. So a huge thank you to our volunteers, to Mrs. O'Bannon, for coordinating and putting it together. It was really fun. It was, uh, and it wasn't terribly hot. And where we were set up in the shade, it was perfect, and uh, it was a really, really good day. So thank you to uh, you guys, uh, to our community for coming out and snatching some backpacks. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I wanted to take a minute and pray for our country. Uh, Right now, it seems like no matter what state you go in, it is on fire. Uh, My sister and brother-in-law live in San Francisco, and the fires are terrible in Northern California. Uh, Adam just came back from Montana, and he says Montana's on fire, and Idaho's on fire, and Utah's on fire. And uh, I just wanted to take a, a couple minutes and, and pray uh, for God to intervene on our behalf to help our firefighters with all of these fires going on here in the West. So if you'll uh, pray with me. Uh, Father, first I want to thank you for your people and their generosity uh, and their willingness to give and to serve. And I pray, Father, as they trust you with finances, with their life, with work, you would bless them, that you would bless the giver. And we come to you this morning, Father, and ask that you would send rain. Uh, that as many parts of the western United States are experiencing wildfires, and some of the worst wildfires in history, we ask, Father, that you would intervene, that you would bring relief father whether that means a wind comes in to uh, help fight the fire or wind would stop so that they uh, can make progress in fighting the fire father uh, it's just we ask that you would send rain that you would open the heavens and send rain lord as here even in Tooele our reservoir is low on water i ask that you would show us mercy that you would show us grace and that you would provide rain. And I pray, Father, for the firefighters, the men and women that are out there uh, risking their lives. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would give them strength, 
that you would give them courage, that you would renew their strength every day. We ask that you would keep them safe. We ask that you would uh, give them wisdom on how to fight these fires. And uh, we just bring it before you. We put it before you, Father, and uh, ask that you would bring relief. We trust you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a dad's influence on someone's life can either be for the betterment or it can be for, I was going to say the non-betterment, but that, <laughs> that doesn't work. To the detriment, we'll go with detriment. But, um, or even a mentor or an aunt or an uncle or a teacher. It can go either way. Uh, and this morning I want to kind of share a little bit about my dad and his influence on my life. Uh, you'll see a, a fun little picture pop up here of me and my dad. So this is, this is Little Forest, and that's my dad. That's in the 80s, and then this was a couple years ago when we went up to Mirror Lake. But my dad has had a, a, a great impact on my life. He's, he, uh, I told him uh, the other day, well, actually, my sister, she came up with this really cool idea, a great Father's Day gift. And uh, she reached out to all of his brothers and sisters, which is nine, and then to the, his kids, which is four of us, and asked us to put together memories and thoughts of what dad means to us and his influence on our lives. And it was really cool. She put it in a scrapbook, and I was able to read it. And it was kind of the, a common theme through every story. And it was a really, really cool thing to, uh, to read. And I, I shared with him that a lot of who I am today is because of my dad, because of his influence on my life. Uh, for one example, respect for women. The way I watched him treat my mom, he taught me that the right way to do things is open the door for the ladies. I, I think that's something that we've lost in society. There's nothing wrong with opening a door for a woman. I think it's a sign of respect uh, for them, uh, not a sign of weakness for a woman. Uh, I, one thing that I, I think, this is just like a side random thought. Back, uh, you watch the old movies and a woman would walk into the room and the men would stand up. Uh, I, I, that's something that, why don't we bring that back? To, to respect and, and honor the, the women in our life. But he taught me how to, to love them. And uh, my parents are, the, they've been married for 38 years, and they're, they're the, the marriage that's kind of the gushy. Um, they hold hands, they kiss in front of us, they, they hug. And, and, and it's, I watched and I learned that that's okay. That I, I should treat my wife the same way. And so I embarrassed the kids and love on Allison in front of them. But, uh, you know, and another thing is my dad is like a, a jack of all trades. He can fix anything. Um, you ask him, it's like if you said, Dad, how does this work? And he would just rattle off. I don't know if he says it with enough confidence that I believed him or if he really, I think he really knows. But he's put inside of me this desire to know how to fix things, to try to do it myself. It doesn't always work out. Uh, my father, my grandpa gave me a, a really old pistol, and I thought that I was a gunsmith, and the gun doesn't work anymore. So, but for most things, I can call up my dad and say, Dad, I need help 
with the washing machine. I need help with the car. And, and he's there, and, and he's put that inside of me. Um, he's taught me how to take care of what I own, that you work hard for your money, so when you go buy something, take care of it. And I think that's a good biblical principle. As we are faithful in the little things, God says he will bless us with bigger things, with better things. And um, another thing, uh, love for motorcycles. Um, my first motorcycle ride was with him when we went up to Jackson Hole. And uh, just uh, the, the love for going out on the open road and, and uh, motorcycles and a, a good work ethic. My dad is... Uh, a hard worker. No matter what project he's doing, he's doing it to the best of his abilities. He's working hard at work. He's not um, flat button is what he calls it, where you're getting paid to do nothing. That um, a man has to earn his keep. He has to work hard. And another area is morals and manners. And this is one I'm trying to teach my kids is, is manners. Um, I'm sure it didn't happen every single day, but as a child, it seemed like every single day, all six of us sat around the dinner table and had dinner together. And it was there I learned that the napkin goes on your lap, that your elbows don't go on the table, that you pass the food to the right, that you don't reach across the table, and these different types of manners, um, which to me are important, don't chew with your mouth open kind of things. And... Uh, my dad has left his imprint on who I am. He is, he is what he has taught me, has, has shaped me, has pushed me into the man I am today. Do any of you have a person like that in your life? Maybe not a father figure, but maybe an aunt or an uncle, a teacher, uh, a grandparent, a cousin, someone that has influenced you enough that... Who they were has left an imprint on who you are. Well, today, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what it actually, what does Christ living inside of me mean? What does it mean when Jesus leaves that imprint on our lives? Now, four weeks ago, we began a study on the book of Galatians, and we are going through uh, almost line by line, but through the book, and uh, the first week, we discovered that there was no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. Uh, basically, the story of Paul and how he was a persecutor of the church, and now he uh, is a, a proponent for the church. He's out spreading the gospel, and if God could change Paul, he can work on anybody's heart. And the second week, I encouraged you, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ that that freedom that Jesus provides for us is something worth holding on to, that we need to um, not allow uh, outside sources to sway us on what to believe when we have the truth before us in God's word. Um, and then last week, we learned the principle that conflict is necessary to preserve truth. And that was when uh, Peter was not uh, stopping outside teachings of uh, Jewish people um, and adding to what salvation is in Jesus. And Paul confronts him. And Paul uh, says to him, you know, th this isn't okay. You're, you're not being consistent. And that conflict was necessary to preserve, preserve the truth of what salvation in Jesus is. 
And if you remember, we kind of embodied this whole study off of Galatians 5.1. And it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. See, the, 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 what Paul's trying to get across to the Galatians is God wants you to live in freedom. And he's, trying to, he's explaining what that freedom looks like. And we will pick up our story where we left off last week in Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 15. We'll be going through verses 15 through 21. And while you, while you turn there, um, I think most of you have caught on. I try to take the, the sermon, the, what we're talking about, and condense it into a sentence to where you can take that sentence and hopefully, as you remember that sentence, you're able to reflect on what we talked about um, that, that week. And this one, it took me a while. It was about a few hours into studying that uh, this thought came uh, to mind. And that's uh, life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. Life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. So let's read starting in verse 15. It says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Verse 17. If, while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For, uh, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the principles that it teaches us. And I thank you that through it we find freedom. So I pray this morning, Lord, as we go through and study and look at what your word says, that you would open our hearts to hear, that you would uh, open our hearts to receive, our ears to hear what you are saying. I ask, Father, that you would speak to us challenge us and change us it's in jesus name we pray amen now if you remember last week when we were talking about the conflict between peter and paul the conflict was due because uh peter was being double-minded he was one way with one group of people and he was a different person around other people and that wasn't okay and that how the, the, the Jewish faction of believers were coming in and were requiring circumcision for salvation. They were adding the law to what Jesus did. And the, the text we just read was a continuation of Paul's uh, rebuttal to uh, the church of Galatians about that conflict with Peter and the explaining that justification doesn't come through the law. Now, at the risk of boring you, I kind of wanted to talk about the law a little bit. We've been on this study for four weeks, and I have said the law, the law, the law, the law. 
And you might not understand or know what, what that is or what the law is. So, here we d- jump into Classroom 101. In Hebrew, you would say halakha. Halakha. And it means the way to behave or the way of walking. But it's uh, translated most of the time as Jewish law. Now, halakha uh, was not only guided you in religious practices, but also in day-to-day life. Uh, how to treat people, how to uh, respect people. And Jewish rabbis aren't too fond of it being translated as Jewish law. Because when you say it as law, it comes with this connotation that you're doing it out of duty. You're doing it because if I don't, there's a consequence. And they, they, they believe that, and I agree with it, that through um, the, the, the giving of the law, they, they look at it more as a, a command or a, a commandment that out of love, I will do what you have asked me to do because I love you, because I have a relationship with you, I will do, I will obey what you have said. So the set of commandments that were given, and you can find them in Exodus, you can find them in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, throughout there, God gives these commands to man uh, on how to live, uh, how to love God, how to treat one another, how to care for homes and buildings. If you get mold in your home, I mean, it goes into some really detailed stuff about how to live life. And while it's um, a, a way of God giving us direction on how to behave, on how to live, and how to walk in life, what it did was it brought to light the, uh, the mistakes uh, that man had made and that back with Adam and Eve, the separation that happened because they chose to do what they wanted to do and sinned against God. And then at that moment, sin enters into the world. And in the commandments, he lays out uh, a system for the forgiveness of sins, and that is through animal sacrifice. Now, this is something that is very foreign to us uh, in today's culture, in today's age, but especially in America. It sounds kind of weird. It sounds kind of creepy, like, why? And the reason is the weight of sin is is so heavy. There's so much that there has to be a, a blameless sacrifice. So God told them, you need to bring a, a, a cow, a sheep, a goat, a pigeon, a dove that is splot, uh, spotless, without blame. And then what would happen is they would take that animal to the, the temple and they would lay their hands on it and they would transfer, transfer their sin to the animal. And then the animal would be killed and the, the blood would be put on the altar. They would burn the fat of the animal and, and cook the meat. And there the person had been Uh, their sins had been removed and through that sacrifice their sins had been forgiven the problem with that uh, system is it wasn't permanent they had to come back again and again and again to the temple to do this ritual and so I believe that the heart of God was I want you to do these things because you love me 
I, I, I don't want you to do them because you fear me that um, I'm going to strike you with a, a thunderbolt, that um, he, he wants, he desires a loving relationship with us. But at the same time, there are, there are consequences and, and there are, are um, repercussions for uh, decisions that were made by mankind. Now, just as in Christianity, as people get involved, rules and traditions start to get uh, put into what God has told us to do through his word. So, for example, uh, the Pharisees, so that you wouldn't break the law, they added a layer on top of it. And then maybe another layer on top of that. So if you broke this rule, you were nowhere near breaking the law because they had created extra steps to that. And this is Paul's concern. Man is now adding extra steps to the salvation that Jesus had provided at Calvary. And you see... Halakha was given to show us a way to live our lives, but also to show us error in our ways. But we couldn't be justified through those commandments, through that law. And we see that in what Paul wrote in verses 15 through 16. And I'll read it to you again. And it says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. See, Paul makes the point quite, quite clear. We are not justified through the commands, through the law. There's no freedom in it. Well, what does it mean to be justified? Well, simply put, it means to uh, you're declared or made righteous in the sight of God or to be declared innocent or guiltless. And through the law, there was no real way for there to be a sustaining way for you to remain blameless and guiltless through the law. So that's why I say life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus that justification is only found in Jesus. And he makes the case for Jesus in verses 17 through 19. He says, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. What is Paul saying in these uh, verses here? He's saying, if we are justified without doing anything, do we continue to live in sin? And, and what he's saying is, when Jesus died on the cross, because I can't add anything to it, you can't add anything to it, sin died with him. So there on the cross, it's done. He died for all sin, for all people, and it is a gift. It is something he offers to us. It's not something we can work for. It's not something we can earn. When we start adding things to it, then I can start saying I did it on my own merit. I did it by myself. I did it through what I did. But see, it, it, God made it to where he's the one that gets the glory because it was paid for. It was bought for through Jesus. So if I go on uh, and I accept this gift, 
even though I, had, I didn't have to do anything for it, do I continue to live in a life of sin? Do I continue to make decisions that are contrary to God's word? And he says, absolutely not. It goes back to the heart of halakha, that it's a command that because I love you, because I respect you, because uh, uh, what you have done for me, I will do it out of love towards you, and my life will look different. My life will be different. And he uses the example, if he goes back, now I had to read this verse like a thousand times because it was, it, does that happen to you? You read something and then you reread it and you reread it and it's like, what in the world is he saying? Uh, verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. That verse right there was a, a couple of hours, embarrassingly. But what he's saying is, Paul promoted the law to the, the full letter of the law. That's who he was. But when he met Jesus, when Jesus changed his life, that was destroyed. That life under the law was no more. He was a new creation in Christ, and he was now living under that. And if he was to go back and rebuild this life under the law, all he would find is that he was a lawbreaker. That's all that would happen. There would be no justification. There would be uh, no freedom. He would just find more bondage under the law. So why go back? Live in the freedom that Jesus has given. And then, uh, you know, so he, he promotes uh, salvation through Jesus. And, and again, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. And this is where, if you've been in church for a minute, you've heard this verse. We've sang songs about it. We can, most of us can probably quote it. And I'm going to read it to you. Verse 20 through 21. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I have been crucified with Christ. Like I already said, when Jesus died, our, our sin, our mistakes died with him. They are no more. So now I can live by faith. I can have justification through faith. That's the only requirement. Believe that Jesus lived, that he died for the sin of the world, and then he rose again, defeating hell, sin, and the grave. That, that's the only requirement to salvation. That's the only requirement to freedom in Jesus. That's where our justification comes from, through what Jesus did. Do you believe that? That's a, that's a, be a hard thing to, that's a hard truth to wrap your mind around. But see, Paul ends with this admonition. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You see, life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. Life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. See, you might ask, who is God, and why does he require all of these things? Well, see, God is holy. He is just. He is sovereign. He is without sin. So 
when mankind made the decision to do their will as opposed to God's will, it created a separation. And halakha was given so that we knew the way we should live. It made it clear that we needed a Savior. There was no way around it. But God knew that we would never be justified through the law. So we were given freedom from the law through Jesus. Freedom from sin, from guilt, from shame. We get to trade that for peace, for hope, for love. See, we are given freedom from what we were, and we're given freedom to be who we were supposed to be in Jesus. See, instead of dead religion, we find ourselves in this loving relationship with God, with Jesus, because of what he has done, what he has provided that through Jesus, the Father looks on us with pleasure. He loves us. He cares for us. He desires a relationship with us, so much so that I can die in Christ and live again and become a new creation through Jesus. One last time, life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. Life-giving freedom is only found in in Jesus. With eyes closed and heads bowed, if you find yourself in a situation where you haven't accepted this free gift, but you want freedom, you want freedom from what was and freedom to be who you were meant to be, I would love to pray with you this morning. If you wouldn't mind, if you would raise a hand saying, I would love for you to pray for me that I could receive this salvation with Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you. I thank you that I can live in Christ. I thank you that your law, that your commands showed us and taught us how to live but also showed us that we needed a Savior. And I thank you that you gave us Jesus. And for those, Lord, that are in this place that don't know you or maybe watching online, I pray right now that you would speak to them. That, Father, as they begin to pray, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And, and I choose to accept your gift that I could live in freedom and in peace with you. That, Lord, you would be there with them, that you would speak to them, that you would minister to them. Father, let the hope, let the peace arise inside of them that comes from knowing Jesus. Allow them to know and to understand that you walk with them, that you will guide them. I pray your blessing over them. I pray your blessing over your people this morning. Father, help us to live in a way, Father, that even though the gift was free, we live a life that honors that gift. We live a life that glorifies you because of that gift. That we wouldn't add anything to what you have done because what you have done has been complete. You said it is finished. So, Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. And I thank you 
for your people. I thank you for your word. We bless you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty, my friends. That wraps up another exciting episode of Life Church Tooele. <laughs> and uh, I hope to see you next week. Uh, thank you for being here. I love you, and God bless. Take a minute, let it settle in. You probably never saw it coming. Something's got.